Hello, everyone. How is everyone doing? Welcome to the podcast. This is Aaron on Airplane Mode, sitting here with Annie and Piero. How are we doing, everyone? Good, good. We're doing well, I think. You know, there's good vibes. Good vibes. In the studio today. We're alive. It's a we beautiful are alive. day. And it is a beautiful day. Piero, how are you? Good. Woke up on the right side of the bed this morning. The right side of the bed. Fantastic. Not the left side. Piero, big day for you. Here we got your version of the episode, Piero's Place. Oh, yeah. I'm excited. It's uh, it's Piero Place. Well, you sound very Don't excited. Don't mess that up. Yeah, Piero Place. Sorry. Piero Place, actually. <laughs> uh, well, it's good to be with you, listeners. Happy everyone is here. Life is good, right? Oh, yeah. It's a beautiful day out, too. Gorgeous. Beautiful day. The sun is shining. Well, let's kick this episode off with a little bit of a weekend recap. What do you guys think? I'm in. How was your weekend? Yeah, Pretty relaxed. Very relaxing. I feel like this sober October has really set it set it itself in. Week two of sober October. And you know, I think we all have a lot of energy and we feel alive. We're not waking up hungover. So Feeling good. It's a good feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Sober October's been great. You know, focus on life, your goals, work out, eat, eat healthy, no mm-hmm. no booze. No, None of that. None of that. None of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I like waking up feeling good and ready to take on the day. Well, don't we all, man? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's an exciting <laughs> Oh, man. Well, some crazy stuff happened over the past week. I think a um, good place to start was it on was it Thursday the meeting happened between Kanye West and President Trump. Dun-dun-dun. Yeah, that was like watching the a, music. a poorly made crossover movie. Crazy <laughs> stuff. It was a wild conversation, something that a lot of people talked about. Um, based off of the conversations, what did you guys take away? What did we, we think about the whole thing? Yeah, it gave us a lot to dissect. It was uh, it was just like the stream of consciousness that never ended. Like, it, I don't know. What do you think, Piero? I don't know. It sounded, it sounded like um, just craziness all over the place like it was incoherent and he was talking to the most powerful man of the free world Mm -hmm. well for someone i mean we can talk we'll talk about what what they talked about in a minute but i mean for what for the news like kanye's been in the news a lot recently and you're someone who's always really loved kanye and supported him so are you still standing by that or are you starting to change you're starting to change your stance um, I, I just like, I like the music and I hope he keeps coming out with good music. So mm-hmm. if he has to relax a little bit in order to do that, then sure. If he is still, you know, if it's, if it influences his music, then it's no good. Mm-hmm. In a bad way. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because then your, your personal life is getting too involved with your artistic, uh, expression. Yeah. Yeah. So let's look at some of the stuff you talked about. There's a lot of uh, a lot of interesting takes, some interesting stances on some certain subjects, like the Thirteenth Amendment. Oh yeah, <laughs> that thing, that old thing. There was some wild stuff in there. He talked about weapons. Did you guys see that piece where he talked about legal weapons versus illegal weapons, and that the legal weapons aren't the problem; it's the illegal weapons. Wow, that's some new new material for the discussion. <laughs> like, illegal yeah. is bad. 
Yeah. What is an illegal weapon? Well, like, basically he's saying that any any weapon that was bought legally, like, you gone through the process, like, he said, they're not the problem. The problem is all the legal, illegal weapons, you know, like any automatic white rifle or something that is bought not market. through the state. Yeah, like through the black market. He said that those are the problems. That's why there's murder. That's why there's crime and, and you know, essentially along that lines. And that, you know, they should continue selling legal weapons as are as they are that it's really not a big problem what do you think about that like what are your stance on on weapons and guns and gun control i i think that it's like a tricky issue because i if someone really wants to get access to a weapon and hurt someone with it i feel like they're gonna find a way to do it like there are channels to get that yeah. done so yeah I I really don't know like how you can perfect a system to do the necessary background checks if they're going online or they're you know using other means of acquiring said weapon to yeah. do what they got to do. So uh, I don't know. The like, Second Amendment, yeah, it's it's uh I, I, I think, think it's, it's outdated. A, I think it's a tricky subject. It's uh, tricky. What makes it tricky? Like uh, I I mean I I firmly believe that like. Well, I mean, you could just look back and, and look at all these school shootings and stuff and see how many guns were registered versus how many were not. Yeah. And uh, and also, like, you know, in Europe, it's it's the laws are so much stricter with guns. So a lot of petty thieves and, and stuff, they don't want to mess with, you know, spending years in prison for having an unlicensed firearm if they get caught. So, yeah. I mean, that eliminates a lot of, like, petty theft where people just get trigger-happy and they just have guns. Like, it, it, it's so easy to kill someone with a gun. You know? It is incredibly like, easy. You, know, you just yeah. click a button. Exactly. So, you know, eliminating a lot of street crime and stuff, Yeah, you know, I think, is a good way to go when it comes to that. Yeah, you're going to have people that, if they want to pull something off, they're going to buy a gun. But I think it scares them if they have spent a lot, they can spend a lot of time in prison. I think, I think that there's a line, and the line is, um, or, or maybe a line should be drawn between gun owners, right? Because you can get a gun legally, and you can trick the system or beat the system, and you can be someone who maybe is a little mentally unstable. You, you can still get access to that. If, you know, there's no way for me to really tell whether or not, like, your intentions are true. I mean, I come from an area where people hunt, and there are a lot of weapons, and they're easily accessible for the most part. Um, there's some pretty high-powered weapons that you can get, like a shotgun can do crazy stuff. So, I don't think, I mean, I understand the sport of hunting and whatnot, and it's great, it's, it is fun, and if you are respectful about, you know, hunting, and you actually care for, like, the animal that you end up killing and eating and going about it, like, in a, a uh, like, what am I trying to think, like, it's like a, not like tradition, but... Um, respectful way like you go about it and you, and you you understand what you've done and you, and you take care of the body i get that although i don't think that you need to have like crazy high-powered weapons to do that you can you can hunt with a bow and yeah. <laughs> yeah you know yeah. yeah so i think i don't know weapons these days man get rid of them i don't see the point in having them especially in a city why do you have a gun you know what are you gonna do get these pigeons off yeah. my balcony <laughs> you know hunt seagulls <laughs> it's crazy stuff but yeah, I mean, and I understand, though, I, I do understand that uh, people want to abide by, like, th there are people who are very pure, they're Puritans about the Constitution, and, and, they, yeah, but, and it says everyone 
has the right to bear arms. Bear arms, yeah. So yeah, you could still hold that right and increase laws to make it stricter. So yeah, but right, right. don't you think it's that's a, a little out, outdated though? I mean, things change, man. You know, laws change over time. Yeah, but I think people's opinions are harder to change, especially like you said. You know, if you come from a like a tradition or like a family mm-hmm. or a culture where where everyone has a gun and everyone uses it, even if it's for the right means, like they they view any changes, yeah, any legal changes in in that like people are going to come and take their guns away which is absolutely ludicrous like no one's going to go home to home and like see if you have a gun and take it away like yeah it's just about finding a way to to maintain order and that's why i think a lot of people are, are sensitive about that because they're like well i'm i'm not going to hurt anyone with my gun why should i like do that that or i see what you're saying yeah 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 I don't know. I mean, it's an interesting topic. It still will be debated for you know over for the next few years. Hopefully, something definitive can be done about it that actually creates a solution to the violence that we see in this country. Yeah. But on back to the topic of Kanye and Trump. I mean, that was only one thing that they briefly discussed. I feel like most of it was Kanye just throwing out ideas and basically like spitballing at Trump. Yeah, I and Trump kind of like bouncing a little like takes back every now and then, but and just looking yeah, like he, so confused. Yeah, I mean, he probably just felt so uncomfortable that this this person was staring at him, just like rambling, rant, calling him Superman. What other What other topics? Escape. What other topics did you guys find interesting? Was there some conversation or some points that Kanye threw out that kind of caught your eye? I, I mean, I thought it was hilarious when he opened his phone and showed him a picture on his phone of a mock airplane called the I-Force One. Yeah. And it was uh, hydrogen-powered. Yeah, so what's the deal with that plane? It doesn't exist. There's no well, clearly, deal. it doesn't exist, but... It's just a picture of something. I don't know. I mean, I I think what Kanye was getting at, I don't know if you're familiar with the Continental. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. an old plane that no longer exists that could get from you know New York to L.A. in like two hours or like an hour and a half. It was a crazy fast plane, but... It was crazy expensive because it burned fuel, and like yeah, I mean you know it just was it was ridiculous. I think at some point airlines just they weren't making money, so they got rid of it. They scrapped it. Uh, it was something that you could also use to fly across the ocean, like the Atlantic, very you know quickly. Um, I think he was basically taking a deviation from that and trying to say we should bring it back, but put more like R and D research and development and to make it more cost efficient and like eco friendly. Yeah, but I think he that's also where he said was going. Apple was going to make it. I mean, <laughs> I feel like Apple might have the engineers to maybe do something like that, but I, I don't know. I just have to take a step back and, and just appreciate how we're actually trying to make sense of some of these points like that yeah. Kanye's making and, <laughs> and, you know, just give our... our Kanye's kids. a visionary. No, there were some areas in that, like, especially for me... I'm, as a woman, like hearing his male energy. Yeah, what do you um, think about that? I like. I was sort of disappointed because I I thought it was cool. Like I know that, and I imagine I don't know, but I imagine that being in the Kardashian clan is difficult. I mean, those are a lot of feisty females with opinions, and it's they run lions, the show literally, yeah. literally running the show. Yeah. And and so for her, for Kanye to say like. You know, I, I didn't really have a dad, and so, like, and the Hillary's campaign I'm with her made me feel excluded and sad, like, you know, but then with I have your hat on, I feel great, like, it, it's just, like, 
you know, you were upset with verbiage and and like you you really need more like power and influence. Like you felt like you weren't included like in a yeah. campaign. Like should that actually steer your opinions or is there like a larger problem at hand where like you you don't like the new order or you don't like, you know, kind of women being in charge. Like it, it was just I questioned a lot of like where his head was at when he said that. Like if because it, again it's a slogan like mm-hmm. or yeah it's a campaign, a campaign slogan tool. yeah like it's, so that was disheartening um and yeah. kind of let me down a little bit i yeah i mean i i know what you're saying but is that so it's it's questionable right so it leaves you with questions like all right like how do you actually feel about this or is there yeah. something that's like is there something else that you didn't like he didn't explicitly say anything that you would lead you to be like, oh, like he, like he, I don't know, he, he's just like all about men or something like that, right? So I feel like it definitely raises questions. And some of the points were, were interesting. Like, I, you know, it, I don't understand what he's saying about the hat and how he makes him feel like he's Superman and it's his favorite superhero and, and it made a Superman cape for him. Like, I don't understand what, you know, him looking up to Ralph Lauren really, I mean, I get the whole thing of like, obviously you have role models and yeah. you look up to them, but how does that hat lead to a tat? You know, how does that make Ralph Lauren? Like, where's the bridge between the two? Do you know what I mean? I don't I see think, that. I, I think it's because Ralph Lauren uh, made their clothing in America. So, so you think it then leads back to the, the national pride and identity and like the nationalistic yeah, idea think, that he's pushing with the slogan. I mean, like, I think that he's saying that, like, Ralph Lauren is a great brand and it's well made and, and it was made in America when it mm-hmm. started. Yeah. And it, and it brought a lot of jobs because he keeps ranting about that, like bringing more jobs back to America. We're going to bring Apple back to America and stuff when it was never in America. He meaning Trump. A con- no, a Kanye. Oh, like, this is what he's like spewing thing. out, too. Yeah. So I think no, he was trying Adidas, to make that Ralph right. Lauren connection mm-hmm. with uh bringing jobs back so you think it's like they're symbols like you know the hat is like a symbol that even if it's just a slogan like that triggered something that was meaningful in his i i think he just bought into the uh, like the hat makes no sense because make america great again means that it was it was great at a certain point but no one can all put their fingers on that certain point. So you, it just doesn't make any sense, and he just bought into. I think this he could. I think idea. when you when you look at the United States in the, I mean, like post World War Two, I mean, it was it ruled the world. So yeah, I think that's what they mean. I mean, that's like an industrial age, um, post, like world, almost like world dominance. I mean, like we we had so many, like we had so uh, such a grip on the world and commerce and like international politics and and to go back to that time i don't think is feasible with to the te- we're in the technology age now back then it was the industrial age that's when we had all these types of industrial jobs you know creating you know whether it be just from like things out of raw materials to you know these new components that stuff is past and there's no way like realistically there's no way it can happen again because bringing jobs back from like adidas or like apple who wants to sit in a factory and put together computer chips or shoes? Do you guys? I don't. Not particularly. No. I don't. Yeah, but that's also implying that great has, like, this um, connection with, like, 
how we were doing financially in this in the country. It is like though. That. That's exactly what it means. But, but it's greatest like GDP and greatest, it's all numerical. Greatest too vague. But I feel like it's too vague, and that's so we're just getting now. It's just like how are we, uh, I guess, putting our own opinions on on a slogan like "You mm-hmm. see, great is this." Like I see great in my opinion, if we're gonna go opinions, is maybe having like a good reputation or great reputation. Yeah, and yeah, I, and exactly. I think you, I feel like right now it's maybe it's so it's not the case. Like, but again, anyone can argue against that too. So, uh, I don't, I don't know. I guess my whole going back to like the point about it was just the the male energy component. It was <laughs> yeah. funny. Like, yeah. um, we could we could have like a whole episode on just talking about words and meanings too mm-hmm. it's true can't argue that one mm-hmm. yeah but you were just talking about reputation then so it's a good segue over to actually talking about kanye's reputation so the over the weekend uh on lebron's lebron james's show on hbo uh it's called the shop mm-hmm. he had drake on mm-hmm. the show yeah. for an interview in which drake talked about uh, a number of things, but most importantly, uh, Drake's summer, his album dropping, and his relationship with Kanye West, and the experience that they had together. Yeah. Do you want to go in a little bit more on that? Just kind of like a, give a little background of what was going on? Yeah, sure. Um, Drake Drake was uh, talking to Kanye, and Kanye was like trying to get him to basically tell him everything about his album, about the release date about everything like that Mm -hmm. and uh he was trying to get this release date out of him and 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 it was like kind of weird when he was invited out to wyoming to work on yay and he helped him write it and everything and kanye gave him lift yourself the beat to it and then once drake got back kanye released lift yourself saying spew saying nothing yeah and uh (laughs) Basically, Drake just gave him all of his information, like when the release date of the album was, and Kanye came out with a like a wave of albums all around Drake's release date. And uh, obviously, the first album, Pusha T's album, has infrared on it, which calls Drake out, and all of this weird like fighting happened between them. And, yeah, yeah. So you know. yeah, I mean, like, what exactly happened was right. The it, it seems like. From well, yeah, the way you're putting it is like Kanye made this move at Drake. The way I take it is that Drake got flexed on. I think that this whole thing shows how charismatic of a person Kanye West is, and it was a chess move, and yeah, he bodied Drake. <laughs> Doesn't I don't I don't think so though. I think that's a good move. I think that was a big move, and I think that what happened was is that Kanye came to Drake basically and. Opened up, opened up Drake, opened the doors to Drake. Drake gave him all this stuff. He opened up, you know, he trusted him. It's a little snaky. Yeah, but ultimately totally in an industry, though, where you want to be the best, an industry where you want to be the best, though, it's not, like, amicable all the time. You got to flex. You got to make moves. You got to, you know, assert your dominance in the game. I think he did that. And I don't think there's much wrong with it. I think that ultimately in a, in a rat race... You're gonna have to hurt some feelings sometimes, I, and that's. I think it was a big move. I think that like, it, it just, 
it, it took it a little too far, like even outside the music, because that's what you're saying. You know, it's like the rap yeah. game. But when you bring up someone's son and and like their family and their personal issues, I don't I don't know. Like, where do you draw the line where you're you're really so obsessed with furthering your own popularity that you're and then again like maybe Kanye didn't care about that relationship and he was like you know what like sayonara like it doesn't matter I'm going to completely wreck this person but like at the end of the day it's a human being and and Drizzy still has feelings we know (laughs) yeah 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 so I mean it, it, it just seems like Kanye brought this guy out you know they talked they did some stuff and then ultimately Kanye didn't do what he told Drake he was going to do. At the same time, just so you guys, like, I just, I think this is one thing everyone is forgetting in this thing. This is just Drake's opinion. This is his side of the story. So we don't have Kanye's side of the story. So you can't go ahead, I don't think, and just jump on and like, yo, Kanye did this and that's, that's kind of messed up. Because we don't actually know what happened. We just are getting one guy's side. And he's the only one who's vocalized it yet. I mean, ultimately, I, I would, I can see Kanye doing that. But I'm not going to go ahead and be like, whoa, man, Kanye's messed up because Drake said something like this. It's just like we didn't get Drake's side of the story when Pusha T dropped the whole child diss track. We, have no, we had no idea at the time what Drake was going to do. And everyone was like, well, Drake just got bodied. And it was like, well, he was going to talk about it. You know, it's not like he was keeping it a secret. It was just didn't happen yet. What do you think about that? I mean, I think that's. I don't think that Ye is someone to hold back, like, opinions or to clarify things. Like, when he got back on Instagram, like, that's all he was doing. He was, like, making videos, just saying, like, oh, let me clear this up for y'all. Like, so, (laughs) Drake, like, as Pira, you you said, you know, your thought on the interview, Drake's probably said his piece many times, breaking down what happened and decided the story. So, he... Rehearsed. you know, he knows, yeah, like, he he knows, like, what he's trying to get out into the world, so if Kanye, like, has, like, another side to it, I feel like we'd hear it by now, like, especially given all, like, the media frenzy over this issue. Yeah. I don't, I just don't see from, like, a, a power move how, like, not saying anything would help him unless he is maybe trying to, like, stand, like step away because he knows that he, he did so much damage and there's really no other side to it. It was just, like you said, like, him trying to uh, do, like, do himself a favor and do his album a favor. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just think it's it, it doesn't matter anyways. Like, beef doesn't matter, and it doesn't degrade a rapper or, or anything like that. Like, Tupac and Biggie wrote diss tracks to each other. Yeah. And it does. it's not like that's what people remember them as no you know? no definitely not the other thing Those i was songs. the other thing i was thinking about those were actually good yeah the other thing i was thinking about after hearing drake say that the song the, his best songs from the album were created after the diss track i thought about and this is this is just you know this is like fantasizing there's nothing to back this up but i thought about from kanye's perspective him saying he wants to be like his quincy jones this is crazy if you think about this he was like, look, I want to be your Quincy Jones. Like, I want to develop you and nurture you to make you as great as you could be. Like, you have great potential. You're amazing. Like, I want to be the guy that brings you to that level. He, and again, just to reiterate, this is not based off anything. This is just like this thought I had. He could have, in theory, created this whole mess to incentivize, incentivize Drake and encourage him and motivate him to really get on his stuff by creating this whole debacle 
that threw Drake down in the dumps and put him in a low place to motivate him to make know. great stuff. That sounds like Game of Thrones or something, man. Yeah, but but, but would that not be something Kanye would do with the stuff that this guy thinks about and says, the things that he engineers in his head, the situations he goes through? He's not like a normal dude. He's just like, eh. I mean, he is unpredictable, so I don't know. It's just a thought. I just imagine Kanye, like, going to Champagne Poppy, like, hey, man, like, you know, I was doing this to help you. <laughs> I love you. I love how you're pulling out all the nicknames. Drizzy, Champagne Poppy. And, you know, he, like, you emerges, he emerges in a kimono. He's like, you've passed. <laughs> It'd be wild, right? Like that. It'd be wild. Exactly. All right. Well, enough talk about that. Piero, man, this is you. This is big day for you, man. We're talking a lot. Art, poetry, Woo-hoo. culture here. Yeah. All right. Cool. Take it. All right. So, uh, welcome to Piero Place now. Welcome. Uh, <laughs> all right. So, I uh, I was thinking about what to talk about on my little segment, and I was like, hey, why don't I talk about something that I can talk about forever? Yeah. So, I'm going to talk a little bit about poems and, uh, and just kind of try to uh, talk about it uh, – to people that are just casual readers and and who just maybe want to try something new out, you know. And, so what do you uh, have prepared for us now? Yeah, so it's like it's um, poetry is like fun because it's short and you can read it, you know, before you go to work or something in the morning. You know, it's really quick and it sounds pretty. So I wanted to ask uh, you two right here what you thought about poetry or what your conception of what poetry is. Like, what is it? Uh. I, I guess in my naivety, no, yeah, just, I always look to poetry, like something pretty romantic, uh, something that you receive for a special occasion, like, um, just, I normally looked at it like they were all pretty, like, brief uh, lines conveying something that uh, generally would be, like, happy and uh, lovey-dovey, but I also now... Knowing you know that there's so much more to it, but I guess like I that's how I've always looked at it before getting that that education. What about yeah. you, and what do you think? Um, I I've always kind of viewed poetry as something that like invokes emotion and is supposed to like connect with the reader on some type of like past experience. So it's like relatable. Mm-hmm. So like music. Um, obviously a lot of musicians are also poets they there's a aspect of it that when you listen to it or read it it makes you feel something that you felt before so you connect with it that's kind of how okay i view it okay cool all right so so both good answers honestly guys good job good answers <laughs> i like those answers. pats on the back <laughs> um but so yeah so that's cool how um, poetry and music do have similar similar qualities. Poetry works off beats that are made in the writing, and then uh, music has a separate beat that kind of tries to and, and and aligns with the. Do they play the off one another? Yeah. So, but it's funny because like you could read like a, some certain poems, and since Bob Dylan was like a poet, he was always thinking in beats and poetry. Yeah. So you could literally just if it's in the same form you can Mm -hmm. just use your best bob dylan impersonation and sing it like that and it'll sound exactly like a bob dylan song yeah which is funny 
uh, uh, one of his poems? Any any poem that's written in a ballad stanza. Oh, you can you sing can like Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan voice. Or Johnny Cash voice. Try yeah. Sometime. Yeah. Yeah. So that's funny. So uh, I guess what drew me to, to poems and stuff, and what we're gonna talk about later, is uh, the kind of like the back and forth that you get in a poem if you like take it slowly and. Um, just like when you listen to music, like you don't fast forward the song, you kind of you go where where the rapper or where the band wants you to go. Yeah. Right. So, um, poetry kind of leads you where it wants you to go at the end, but through it you get to you get to see things that that the writer was you know trying to to make you see. You know, mm-hmm. and one of my favorite lines is always that the one of some of your favorite writers know you before you know yourself. You know. Yeah. Because yeah. it's it's really cool to to always read in from a completely different perspective something that you're feeling or something that like you can be feeling if you were put in the situation or the realm that the uh, that the writer's choosing to put you in. Yeah. So you let the writer, I guess, dictate conversation, or do you like do you get lost in it almost, and you just like fully embrace it? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, so you I mean, you kind of let the you let the poem and the words direct you yeah and and that's what like makes a a good poem if it's capable of doing that yeah it it makes you feel what the writer felt yeah yeah and and using it and 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 it's always cool to see how there's nuance applied and something that you always feel but you see just in a completely different way you know and and that's why like this this short little poem that we're going to read in a minute that's by uh wallace stevens and here's a, like a couple of things about Wallace Stevens, because I always think that if you read a, a poem written by anyone, you should always kind of get to know the person that's writing it. Yeah. I think it's important because it, it just shapes everything that's going on in the poem because yeah. you, you get to see from, you know, the person's past, like where they're from, how the setting will change, stuff like that. Yeah, that's all, that's all, that's all really interesting. And actually, I think before we jump into that poem... Let's ask those questions about you. I mean, like, how long and when did you kind of get into poetry and fall and get like fall in love with the art? Uh, I got into poetry, actually reading a lot of poetry when I was eighteen. When you were eighteen, yeah. And what was the thing that kind of sparked it for you? I really, really liked the romantic poets, um, and I mean, when I say romantic, like from the uh, oh, jeez, I want to say late 1600s and uh they they just wrote so imaginatively and and they had such a beautiful language that i just fell in love with the aesthetic of poetry and then i started reading poetry that was more towards our age and more you know contemporary and and then it sparked a different interest in it do you have a favorite poem favorite poem yeah um or is it more like of a style or poet that you just really enjoy. I mean, yeah, my favorite poet definitely is Robert Penn Warren. Yeah. Uh, he was a great poet. Um, and he was a, an American from Kentucky, which is cool. Yeah. Um, but I don't know about a favorite poem. Uh, you know, Coleridge is one of my favorite poets, and he wrote he wrote Kubla Khan. Who's, who's Coleridge? Samuel Taylor Coleridge. Okay. And he got in. He he really got me into poetry. Yeah. Um, Kubla Khan and the Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner are like extremely imaginative, and they they just they're awesome. So, what do you look for in a poem? Um, I I really like 
I really, really enjoy the craft of poetry. A lot of people don't like writing in form that much now. Yeah. But I think it's always important to look what came before you. And there are people that have just completely mastered it. So to completely overlook that is kind of like, in my opinion, it's it's like rude almost. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's a respect thing. You don't yeah. appreciate the craft. You know, you're not you're not following the rules that were set in place, and you're not making it better by adjusting the rules. You know, mm-hmm. um, and and offering up, you know, what you what you can, how you can help. You know, it's never your how you can break away. It's always how you can help and, and keep it going. It's very yeah. admirable of you. Yeah, because yeah, there's a there's a love for the craft as a whole, well, not necessarily yeah. for what I do. It's Besides just, the craft, though, I mean, is there something that you look for in reading a poem? I mean, like I get and I understand the respect for it and, you know, the history and the love of the craft and whatnot. But I mean, when you read something besides just being like, well, I respect this person for doing it. Like, how do you decide if you think something's good or you think it's bad like is there a point where you're like look i mean i might respect the writer but this poem's shit um and what is it that you look for when you're reading a poem that makes you kind of think well this was great i guess it's like a very it's um it's it's something that you feel like when you listen to a song that you just love like you know you can't just put your finger on it and say like oh that's why i loved it yeah but it's like the second it starts to the second it ends, you're you're just like in love with everything that's, interesting. that's going on as yeah. it's happening. That's interesting. I mean, I know for me, when I listen to music, there are certain things that I can pick out of a song. So do you do that? Like, like I might say like, oh, like I love the, the guitar riff. Yeah. Or I love the, the beat or I love just this vocal or this part of it. Mm. So do you almost do that, I guess, when analyzing a poem? Yeah. I mean, there's a, okay. So there's like, there's a song by Zeppelin called 10 Years Gone that I've like, literally um like listen to a thousand times right it's one yeah. of my favorite songs so now i've listened to it so many times i can hear john bonham the uh drummer's squeaky uh bass uh what do you call that thing the the pedal the pedal the bass pedal oh yeah for the drum so i can hear it squeaking in the recording of the song now because i've heard it so many That's times so sick so it's kind of like the same thing when you read a poem that you really like like you really like it at first and you don't really know why and then you keep reading it over and over and you you start hearing the squeaks and and what makes it work and your favorite parts and things like that mm-hmm. so um i think that comes after you know after that initial uh hit of, yeah of just liking it yeah, I agree. I agree. And I understand that as I just feel the same way with music. So with that being said, I mean, I think that lays down some good brick and mortar as a base to move forward with this. I mean, let's let's hear the poem and let's and let's like, let's talk about it. Then let's see what you have. OK, cool. So um, we're going to talk about this dude named Wallace Stevens. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was uh, he was such an imaginative poet, like he loved invoking the imagination. And yeah, that's why I think his writing is extremely unique especially now and um and it's still it's the his vocabulary he uses like extraordinary vocabulary and he has a rigorous precision in uh the craft of what he of of his poems of his poetry so um he explored poetry as a supreme fusion of the creative imagination and objective reality so that's a okay, lot to yeah digest. so yeah he brought the real that? world he it's like he brought the real world into into his own head so it's kind of like having a dream you know the imagination is blending in with a reality that you've seen before sometimes i mean dreams can take you everywhere but 
So wait, did he he would take something from real life and then just draw off it? Yeah, I mean he would he would create landscapes around uh, real objective things. Okay, right. Gotcha. Um, so uh, a really distinguished uh, poet and critic, Harold Bloom, he called him the best and most representative American poet of our time. Yeah. Uh, he was born in 1879 from Reading, PA. Reading, PA. Yep. Nice. And he died. My uncle in, lives there. And he died <laughs> in 1955. Okay. Uh, Stevens went to Harvard, uh, and then he had to withdraw because his family ran out of money. And also, he also says throughout his life that he didn't like it anyways, and he was never planning on graduating. Um, <laughs> Sounds like something you say like after that. Yeah. I wasn't going to graduate anyway. anyway. <laughs> yeah. he, no, and then um, t- for the majority of his life, he worked as an executive for an insurance company, which I always think is awesome because... Yeah, that's like a mix, man. Yeah, pe- and people always just uh, think that a poet is a poet, but like a lot of famous poets were just you would never suspect that they would become such remembered yeah maybe it helps them too because they have experiences that they can put into their works definitely and experiences that they know really well i think also that's two sides of the brain it's complete over the side so it's like you're not just constantly grinding one side of your brain you know what i mean that's that's interesting yeah Yeah. and uh like um william carlos williams was a physician in uh new jersey a physician one of like the best poets ever Wowza. Which is cool. Yeah. Um, so, all right. So now that you got to know a little bit about Wallace Stevens, uh, I'm going to read a poem that he wrote when he was, uh, like, towards the end of his life. It's one of the last poems he ever wrote. And it's called Of Mere Being. So now that we have, like, kind of this background, we know that he's, like, an imaginative guy. He, yeah. he really draws from the imagination. Whereas a lot of people draw from real life and then create a real life experience, he draws from the imagination and throws you into the imagination almost immediately, like a surrealist painter almost. Okay, yeah. So here's this, uh, this little poem called Of Mere Being. The palm at the end of the mind, beyond the last thought, rises in the bronze decor. A gold-feathered bird sings in the palm, without human meaning, without human feeling, a foreign song. You know then that it is not the reason that makes us happy or unhappy. The bird sings, its feathers shine. The palm stands on the edge of space. The wind moves slowly in the branches. The bird's fire-fangled feathers dangle down. And that's it. Hmm. So. Let's unpack that. Yeah, snaps. <laughs> yeah. Snaps. So it's a it's a cool it's a cool little poem, right? And it's and it's not big, but it has so much in it. All right. So unravel this for us. So I, I think it's like a good blueprint on like, you know, how to go through a poem slowly and stuff uh, because it's, it's so small yet so compact. So immediately at the first line, it says the palm at the end of the mind. So the palm already at there's the end no of the real mind. setting, right? Yeah. It's You're not, in the mind. Yeah. It, and it can't be a real place. Okay. Right. But there's an image that we know well. It's a palm. It's a tree. Yeah. Like the leaf, right? Is that? Yeah, well, it's like a palm tree. Is it the whole tree? Yeah. Okay. So the palms all the way at the at the outer reaches of this black space of the mind. And then it says beyond the last thought. So it's so far out there, it's beyond thought. It's beyond what you can think, mm-hmm. what you can like perceive. 
and then in this bronze decor, so it's like a pretty image, you know. Beautiful space. Yeah. yeah. A gold feathered bird sings in the palm. So now there's a there's a bird that's singing, and it doesn't have human meaning or human feeling. Okay. Because we're now we're outside of the reaches of our own thought. Okay. So we're in. So let me let me set the scene. I guess or, or reimagine the scene. We're in this bronze room. Not more, not a room. Think of like a horizon, like it just it. it so the the, the, the setting, like the light, the color, mm-hmm. is like this, yeah, like yeah. bronze, this bronze almost sunrise or horizon, and we have a palm tree, centered, right, just a palm in the distance, yeah, extending out, and we have now this bird mm-hmm. that has no feeling or emotion, so it's just like there. Well, no. The bird sings. Okay, oh, sorry. And that song has no human meaning and no human feeling. Just like any bird song. <laughs> yeah, but, but I, and I think what he means is that without any attachment, like there's no definition anymore. Like oh, what I like we've it. created. Okay, I we're, see. We're not attached anymore to it. We're just with it. Yeah, yeah we're just observers. Yeah. And, um, and it and it's a foreign song, he says. So it, it's it's a song that we don't know and we can't comprehend almost. And then it's and and it, and then the next line is so brilliant because then it, it's he says you know then that it is not the reason that makes us happy or unhappy, because we have no attachment to it anymore. Mm-hmm. So it makes it completely detached from any definition, anything that we can perceive. Yeah. It just is, you know, and there's like kind of like this beauty behind just being, being right. and not having, you know, this, this purpose or anything to kind of like latch you, or latch onto sway your opinion. Yeah. And, and there's there, and I think what Stevens tries to do is like, there's this sort of knowledge that comes with just being and not being attached to definition and what we think things are and how we perceive a world just like an objective being almost like objective being like just existing yeah the beauty and just being alive is it or like the knowledge of existence like having that knowledge to just be and not worry about a purpose or anything like that you know having the knowledge of like almost fulfillment you know and i i like how he he says foreign song like he didn't have to say that because obviously it's a bird chirping but Mm -hmm. it it just adds to that it's Mm -hmm. like you you don't know and it's okay and it's a song we've never heard and that's also something that's into it like we've never heard it so that's and and if it's all the way out there so far in the void you know yeah how how will we ever come to it Mm-hmm. And this is coming from someone who was writing at a very, very old age. He died in his 70s, and he's writing this right before he dies. Which I think that's why it's important to know the writer, because then that kind of plays into the, yeah. what's going on. Yeah. You know? He's also someone that was very um, kind of lost when it came to religion. He didn't know whether to believe it or not. He says he doesn't believe it, but then there's like times where he insinuates that he does. Mm. So it's kind of weird when it comes to that. And, and I think this poem is a good example of that kind of fight with the afterlife and what comes after and what thought and afterthought and, and things like that. So yeah. then at the very end, we get to the palm stands on the edge of space. So it's, it's all the way out. It's out in the, the distance, far, right? In the breaches. Yeah. The wind moves slowly in the branches. So that's like there's action now. There's a bird singing and wind moves in branches. That's the first like movement that we get. Yeah. The bird, the bird's fire fangled feathers dangled down. So then at the end, 
you know, you see kind of like these these droplets of this thought of mere existence, and and you can equate it to other like abstract thoughts like love and like hope and these these little things that dangle down are what we get you know mm-hmm. yeah and that what kind of leads us to this ultimate thought of and all of this knowledge of just kind of like fulfillment is it like that's what's in our reach but there are some things that even though we try to get closer to like we just simply can't get yeah. there like the knowledge like of definitely. existence and afterlife definitely because the bird's always going to be there and all we get are the feathers mm. And, and that's and that's something that he's wrestling with he's wrestling with like how what happens after you know what, yeah. what after what happens after the last thought you know what happens in that palm in that space or yeah so that. is the palm what, what does the palm symbolize then the like it's, the I, I think the palm is just a setting to yeah. place you as far away as possible from the knowledge from from anything in this objective reality and then the bird stands as the bird stands as this this um, figure of kind of like fulfillment and, and fulfillment of purpose and, and fulfillment of being. And the things that, that do touch us like in life. Are dropping from the bird. Yeah. yeah. And they lead towards this fulfillment of being. I like the... But it the can never actually be seen, you know? Yeah. I, I like how it's a palm and I think like a lot of um, references to like life, like the like the tree is that the tree of life or the tree of like you know it's like i mean definitely a palm has a lot of religious connotation with yeah it. so yeah. it is um interesting that that's the what he used to, to show that yeah. yeah 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 and it's such a it's such a strong image in such a short uh compact space and that's that's why i love it so much so and i read it all the time so if you can summarize up to someone like let's say you know elevator pitch here hey listen to this poem this is what this poem means <laughs> and what i think he's saying how would you how would you summarize it i guess um as to like what what do you take away from it i i, I think it's uh something that we all think about mm-hmm you know and and we go through sometimes we have these lulls in life where we um we think that there might be a fulfillment in something specific and you know i think what what wallace stevens is saying in this poem is it's okay to to feel like that to feel like there's something that you can't really attain like this all-around fulfillment i'm right here and we're all doing it together yeah, you know, it's kind of like this a uh, poem that feels abandoning, but there's someone with you by your side. Do you think that's I a like little? That. Yeah, yeah. Comforting. Well, how the someone being with you on your side by your side, meaning who? The the speaker. Okay, okay. Because yeah. I was gonna say, don't you think that that mentality, although might be accurate, is a little dark and maybe might lead someone to interpret it in a different way, meaning like, well, what is the point then? I mean, do you also see how that can be? taken i think i think with any form of media that's conveying a point and it's not going to tell you like there's not there's no maybe online yeah. you could find someone giving their their opinion like there's always going to be maybe differing opinions mm-hmm. and the only person who who knows is the writer at the end of the day but yeah, like yeah. i think that um because you know about him and you know where he was in his life you can probably do one of the best jobs of looking into it and and identifying like what it means so there is like a power you're right like someone could very well look at that and an untrained reader and and find something maybe too dark in it that's like unsettling and it could 
lead to something bad. But I think for the most part, if you can even get to that point, like you, you will have some background into it and that will help you form your opinions. Isn't there also something to be said about there is no right or wrong interpretation? Like, don't, I mean, I feel like with something like poetry or something that evokes feeling and emotion that, like I said, nothing is wrong, right? Like, can't, can't you say technically, well, that's how that person interpreted it? Yeah. So uh, how can I you, I mean, I, do you think, what do you think about that? I have my opinions about that. I, I think that there's definitely, in a good poem, there or any work of art, there's a purpose. Yeah. And um, that purpose is supposed to be uh, received by the viewer, whoever is admiring it, um, by the end. Yeah, like I think, I don't think that the writer would want someone to read that and be like, that poem is about a banana stand, like, or yeah, something yeah. <laughs> ludicrous. I mean, like. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that there's always something trying to be conveyed, and um, yeah. if that's fulfilled, then then it's a, it's a good work. Okay, yeah, so, so then to play off that, and exactly what you're saying, then if, like, ultimately... What I'm, what I said about being like, well, look, there's this unachievable item or purpose or the feeling of like of purpose or being that you can't achieve. So I feel like then the main purpose of what he was writing about is still attained and conveyed, and I still got it. But then I I interpret it in a different way, that like not like oh there's someone always with you, but I interpret it like then why even go through, I don't care if anyone's with me. Like at the end of the day, then if I can't achieve it, then what's the point? Like, you know, like well, it's it, not like this guy follows you around afterwards. He's with you as you read it. And then that's it. You know, yeah. I don't want this guy with me either. <laughs> you know, freak out. But, uh, it, it is, it, it's not that it's not achievable. It's not achievable now because we're, we work in a different realm than this fantasy, uh, space. Yeah. I know what you're saying. And, and just, you know, it's not the only form of art that does this. A, a lot of forms of art just create fantasy realms and, and make you stop and think about something that you might have thought in passing that you either suppressed or something that just really isn't um, getting put in the forefront of uh, your thought process. Yeah. So um, I think, you know, like like looking at a great painting or, or reading, you know, a novel, reading a poem slows you down. And it makes you walk through with the, the speaker of the poem. And um, walking through and, and this whole process, it just it, it allows you to really pick up on things that you might have just looked past, you know, and not really do, del- delved into. Would you say that that everything in the poem's important? Like there, even if like, you know, you want to just look past it because it just seems like it's, it's just fluff. Like it has its own meaning or can be looked like. Yeah, the de- lens. No, definitely. I mean, I think um, that's what makes writing a poem so difficult. It's so you, you're given. I mean, you have all the space that you need, but you also have to create this structure for it. So um, you you know, and and you have to say it as clean as possible. So you can't add words. You you have to take out as many words as you can. So definitely, every line has its own integrity as well as the whole work. You know, every line is working as kind of a link to a chain to achieve like this full round uh, circle. Mm-hmm. So 
all, all every single thing matters even where like a comma is placed versus where it's not everything and and it's really really interesting to like dive into that yeah yeah and, um aaron like what you were saying it made me think like about someone hearing a poem or reading a poem and, and getting like their own opinion and is that necessarily wrong do you think that like the poet has in mind a number of interpretations when he's writing that he thinks that the reader could take away from or does is there just an overarching meaning like a singular meaning to the work that he hopes that the reader will eventually get to well it's uh it depends on like what you're reading too because it, like like painting um there's so many different schools of thought for painting and what the purpose of a painting is supposed to like achieve you know what a painting is supposed to achieve yeah so um, I the poetry that I like um, they were crafted you know very very with like a lot of precision and it took a lot of time because all of these little moving pieces were being put together like a, a watches in order for it to completely work and there's a lot of poetry now especially in contemporary poetry that it, it plays off of sound a lot and that's great but and, and playing off of sound is definitely a great uh, tool to use in poetry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But once you start working with spacing and making it too abstract on the page, it really takes away from the words themselves. And that's what makes the poem, the words themselves. So that's what's important to me, and that's what I think good poetry is. And it'll be achieved if, they really, really, if the writer puts great power in each word and doesn't focus on the visual as much. How do you what what advice would you give to someone who's just like maybe looking to get into poetry? Like how would you suggest or steer them into like a method or technique to use or something along those lines? Like how would you recommend or teach like the the someone who's new to it? Definitely how to get into reading it? reading in general, reading a lot of poetry and um reading essays by poets writing on writing. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. That's like the best, the yeah. the best instruction. Yeah. And once you start finding people that you kind of like their work and you like their essays, then you start taking who they learned from and you start reading who they learned, mm -hmm. you know, um, to work with and, and things like that. And then that's what kind of starts building yeah. um, the style that you want to approach your writing with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I know it was it last week we talked about the different ways that we deal with like stress and anxiety and for you you talked about you know reading and poetry being yours so i mean when like what is it that when you read poetry does that for you like what 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 is it that takes your stress and throws it away um i think like when when i get stressed out there's like a lot of chaos in my mind and when i read a poem that's why i like craft so much there's mm -hmm. set beats and there's a set structure to it yeah. So it's therapeutic to just read through a structure and to um, have control over the rhythm of it, and to and and it it's a kind of a release to to gain control over yeah. a little something, you know, when when everything else seems uh, out of control, chaotic. I like that. I think that's a like a good approach. And like we discussed last week, you have a physical imprint of, of what you were experiencing, or maybe trying to get out of. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. creating like a better reality through something that you can actually observe and and look at and mm -hmm. and maybe like a lot of artists too and in writing and other disciplines feel like some of their best works could come from like their their darkest times and 
um, and touch on like the human experience, which is so like visceral and universal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And you know, the, the last thing that I'll say about all of this before we kind of wrap up this segment yeah, is, uh, you know, if you're starting out writing and stuff, just don't, don't think you're good until you're good. <laughs> you know, don't think you're good until you're good. That's some realness right there. Cause I, sometimes I talk to people that like writing when, when we start talking about writing and they start saying that they're good and yeah, I, I don't think I'm good and right. it's been a while. So, right. Yeah. You know, yeah. just keep working at it. Yeah. Well, that was pretty good, man. I mean, I think, um, I think that's, uh, there's some good stuff. It was an interesting poem and it's nice to hear you like dissect it and give your more like experienced take on it than what we may have. Yeah. It's I think if we sat here and we were just like, yeah, it's, well, it's fun to read. Be a pretty funny episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, what did you think was going on there? But that's, it was good. I mean, there it's, it's interesting how like in, even in music or doing certain activities, it's like a reflection, right? I mean, people can use poetry like yoga or like meditation or, I don't know, working out to take a look at their life, maybe step back, reflect for a moment, think about some things in deeper thought. And that is like a mechanism that can get you to that state. Because it's not easy to just sit down, at least I think, and just be like, well, I really want to just think about things. Like you have to get in the state. Your body has to align with your mind. It's definitely a a mindset. Yeah. And then... Based off of, yeah, and I think the emotion kind of progresses it when you're actually like feeling like, oh, like this is, I don't know, like I'm really upset or it's I'm really happy or or I'm like charged up and it's like why are you feeling that way and then maybe you think about the root of why you're feeling that way and like maybe your actions. So, I like it. I don't read a lot of poetry. I mean, for me, it's like working out and like I said, um, I don't know, like like aesthetics and stuff, but. Everyone has their own method, and I appreciate yep. poetry. I do. Yeah. I think it's like it takes someone with discipline, and I also like in some of our past conversations we've have had over poetry, you've said that really good poets will have an idea, but they won't like just give it to you on a silver platter. Like You have to find that, Yeah. and it's kind of like a puzzle in that way. Mm-hmm. And uh, since people can interpret poems as they, as they like, they can related to what's happening to their own situation and and so you're helping people like you're helping yourself even though it it does take a lot of work but ultimately you're you get to touch so many people with your writing and so i I like that it it seems like a very um generous yeah act too like Mm -hmm. it's not like you know just this thing you you can use as a tool that you know goes away like the serotonin in your brain that's released when you work out yeah. like it's something that you can have forever and people yeah. can utilize it whenever they want yeah yeah for sure and it's just awesome. something that you, you don't put away it's just something that comes and you gotta you either you know push it downwards or you just let it out yeah i feel and and i guess to like tie a knot on this is that um, I feel like a lot of people today or at least in our age and time they don't, they, there's a certain amount of people not everyone like appreciates this type of thought or this type of action of like reflecting and, and looking at something deeper I feel like a lot of life is dictated off of other people portraying an image or idea or belief 
onto you. Yeah. Something like poetry or something. It's not exactly that. It's it's what you make of something. So I think it's like a kind of an issue. Maybe we want to address it now. Like the whole topic or idea of thinking that someone else's opinion or thought means something to you or, or you should like conform to it. I mean, like, do you think, do you feel that in today's age? Do you think that there's people who are saying like, oh, if you do this or like if you listen to me or act this way, everything will be different or better for you? I mean, do you see that today? Yeah, I think it's even harder to deal with because it's not someone straight up in your face telling you like yeah. you should be this it's like you're getting it subliminally almost yeah it's not like, like your parents are like, hey yeah. you yeah <laughs> like which is easier to to be able to sift through if it if it was like that and you're like well that's just ridiculous but yeah. instead a lot of times it's what like even social media and other um forms of like connecting with people like online um will tell you like you have to look a certain way or be a certain way uh to be happy, to yeah. be fulfilled. Yeah. What do you think is like the the most like I guess like the best example? Of like where do you see that most often? I and I and this I could be totally wrong though. I feel like this is and this is a product of our culture, but I feel like as a woman, it's more aggressive. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, like years of being viewed as sort of like an object and and maybe not like having a place in like the, the workforce you know yeah. like you you start tying different things to the collective which is like your personality or your substance that aren't necessarily true indicators of who you are like like how you look how you talk like who who your friends are like mm. you know how just like your social status so it it definitely you can like pinpoint it, you know, like historically how how that a mindset like that can develop. Even like the magazines you see, like when you're checking out at like the supermarket, you know, yeah. like most of the time it's tips on like you, you know looking <laughs> ten ways to get skinny now. <laughs> yeah, like looking better, and you know, there's always like a <laughs> so woman on the front. Those are cover. actually ridiculous. I I haven't thought about those in a minute, but there are so like Vogue. Yeah, I mean, I feel like Vogue tries to. Vogue's the- be a One little more them, professional, right? but yeah, that's more. I like may be a bad example. Cosmopolitan. Cosmopolitan, exactly. Even yeah. you, Aaron, you know, like Seventeen magazine, like yeah. these, or I don't know, I guess Star or Us. And yeah, yeah. They're just like they're ad libs, like all over the covers, like you fat will get skinny right now if you read this magazine, page seventeen. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, and like when I was younger, I I thought those magazines like crazy. I like actually thought that there was like a recipe to be happier and and yeah. have a better life if I like just bought this skincare product yeah, yeah. it's a disgrace of writing yeah. yeah well it's it gets into the whole idea of like idealizing right I mean it's if you think about I guess it's playing like hey picture this you're skinny and, or you're just in shape or I don't know you change this and you're this you're just gonna be happy yeah. right like it's the it's the whole concept kind of plays back to what we said Kanye was doing just these ideas that if they were real would be great or they would change something about your life what do you think about that yeah i mean all all you say it's all just words you know they're and especially in a rant you can tell that it just goes into his head and then out of his mouth so he probably doesn't even remember half the stuff he says most of the time right you know well i don't know then like why why where is it coming from i mean it's not like he's just saying like pineapple banana 
You know, like octopus, cats and dogs, and cars. He's Keep thinking going. about <laughs> how long can I go on? I don't know. I, I find it. I feel like it's this insatiable thirst to be heard all the time, and doesn't matter what he's saying as long as he's the only person in a room speaking. What do you think about that? I feel like that's interesting because I because even though we pit him down to be a crazy person, I think at the end of the day, everyone wants to be heard and seen. Um, and I think that like we all do different things to to get there, even if it's not like going to the Oval Office and raining. It could just be in like our everyday lives of like what we're like posting or like what we're telling people we're doing or that person who told you they were a great writer, even if they had nothing to show for it. Like mm. we're, we're using our words or our means to to like envelop ourselves in this ideal image. And yeah, and I think that everyone's vulnerable to it to like conforming in that way people definitely yeah i mean i guess too i'm not going to deviate off this subject but there's something i want to say about the whole idea of um being heard right i think for someone who is being heard isn't there onus on them to do something then like i mean maybe not but i think if you have the voice or you have the ears why not push ideas that maybe for the maybe our like bettering life forward yeah. do you disagree i mean if people are listening then why not speak well that's the thing about like platforms in general like yeah. for celebrities and and that's why like a lot of the things celebrities do are, are picked at like we're talking about people who are famous who are like musicians yeah. or whatever and there's a, like a responsibility too and and like i i think that's true because we're all yeah we all want to be seen and heard but if you already have the fan base to do it you you should think about what you're saying more because people do take what you're saying seriously yeah and, and i like i don't know but what i mean do you guys like agree like yeah no i i i think so and what do you think i think that you got to be somewhat of like a social activist then or, or try and do something or else why exist why be who you are if you're just like hanging out I, I think people should kind of just stick to what they got famous for and uh, I, I, I completely disagree man not, like you know it, 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 it always depends on the person you know but for some people just shouldn't be do you share that I, like, I don't you know, know Kanye's I, a beat maker he has nothing to do with politics right, he I shouldn't see. be talking yeah. about that I see he should you be mean. talking about beats and dude how then go beats tell lebron james better. that he's just an athlete hmm? he's right, got that whole then, moment you're gonna go tell lebron james he's just an athlete he's already that dude is so important to culture yeah but lebron's helping who said that Kanye's not i don't know what i don't i don't think that the interview helped anyone but what that, if, that lunch at the white house helped anyone of his followers or his friends I guess, but I'm mean, not even just him, but it's just. <sighs> I, I think that, like, you know, Piero, what you're saying is that, like, it's not like an, if you're in a one profession, you have to stay in that profession, but it's like you have to look and see, like, what like what credibility do i have to speak on behalf of certain issues and yeah, lebron that's a, that's is a good a, way to put it. like yeah. a different kind of person than kanye is and like you know he's very out there in the community and he's making a difference and donating money and talking to people so like yeah. he could transition or add on his resume his, his show or talk to people about real things but yeah um no i, I mean i i agree i don't think people can like 
everyone's going to change and evolve. And maybe if Kanye wanted to be serious about politics, you'd actually like learn about politics yeah. to do it. But you got to do that. For, you got to put in the time first. I don't think he's going to be the president, <laughs> but I mean, like he has the platform and the means to do things. If he started doing more things like LeBron with like social outreach, not like saying LeBron's school was like the greatest thing ever, but he's still doing something. I mean, I don't see Kanye like going out and like doing service, but I think that he just has the platform and the voice and the ability to do something. He could do more, but I think that if he has the opportunity to do it, you're like, why not do it? What you're saying that if you were him, you would just be like, well, I'm just an artist. I'm not going to say anything. Yeah, but I'm I'm not him. Like I don't have that following and that mentality. I'm like, not saying you. Are. I'm saying if you were though. Yeah, that's another thing too. Like you, how much can you really guess or speculate about being in someone's shoes? Like, unless you're yeah, really yeah, in their place. Yeah, like I think true. a lot of people, even celebrities, like when we talk about platforms and using them for good, a, a lot of people will say, "Well, I didn't choose this. Like I didn't. Like <laughs> I just wanted to make music. I just yeah. wanted to be in a TV well, show." How does like, the uh, the Instagram fitness person say that? I, like that that part blows my mind. We're talking about, you know, we're talking about the idea, like I, idealizing things. These social media pages, the most popular social media page, has to be the fit page. Am I wrong? For sure. That's like most of the content. Like workout, <laughs> diet. I'm seeing online. <laughs> like, yeah, like you might like this. And I'm like, dang, what What about my like activity is telling Instagram that I'm interested in this fit tea? Like that is upsetting because, you know, someone who has like a following was paid a lot of money to show a tea that actually just makes you go to the bathroom badly and hurts your stomach and isn't good for you and there's tea? Is this yeah tea? it's like a fit tea and like there are different variations of it rips but your stomach apart it just and i bought it like i you actually bought have bought like when i was younger and more impressionable like a tea because mm-hmm. and i think it was actually fit tea too and i did i tried to do like a week cleanse i couldn't get through it i think on day three like given already like my degree of stomach problems i was like uh no like mm-hmm. I, the weight is not even worth it like to and, and it's bad like you're and, and there are little girls who are probably like, yeah, I'm going to buy this tea too. And they're going to hurt themselves. Like, yeah. I th- yeah, it's just, I use your platform for good, you know, like, or do less. Like, yeah. don't take that sponsorship. Yeah. Just quiet down. There's just something about it. Like, look, I'm going to be real. Like every page you see is either, I feel like also taking advantage of like sexual uh, or yeah, like, I don't even know how to describe it. You know what I mean? Like, did you see a girl who's got a fitness page and she's got a moon of an ass? Or they're showing cleavage. Oh, or it's ow. something... <laughs> no, it's something crazy, though, right? Like, and then they they will post a workout video from, like, their backside angle looking upwards. So it's just, like, you got people who are like, whoa. Yeah, it, that is funny with Instagram <sighs> videos, how you can choose... I don't know if you guys have ever put like a video on but you can choose like the still and so some people mm. make that still and on youtube too oh, like yeah, something yeah. that's more like sexualized or yeah, like that definitely. one part of the video that is so you click on it because it's like clickbait oh my god yeah Sex sells. i yeah. saw some crazy stuff about um the stupid challenge it's takashi 69's got this stupid hashtag stupid challenge you guys are gonna see it i'll show it to you after it's actually kind of funny but one of them was a uh the the still cover like the it was 100% clickbait it was actually a woman on her back with her legs split and money over her private area 
But when you watch the video, it's these dudes breakdancing in Times Square. <laughs> so it literally has nothing yeah, to do with yeah. the still. Mm-hmm. But it's the stupid challenge. And the stupid challenge is something 6ix9ine did to his new song. It's, it's kind of funny. I'll show it to you. You guys need to check it out. Might, we might do our own stupid challenge later today, actually. <laughs> it's kind of funny. What if we do? We could drop that. You'll see. Wow. I gotta even. I gotta see what this thing is before yeah, I sign off here. on it. <laughs> same here. No verbal contracts right now. Yeah, yeah. But I just, I, I still have a big problem with that. I don't know what the solution is. It's there's, there's no solution. Like you can't, you can't restrict stuff like that. Right? Like there's gonna be fitness workout models or whatever they are, social influencers. I guess until. Yeah, it's consumerism. The end of time. It's consumerism. When will it end? But I like I, I like to see, and I think it's also a choice too, because there's so much noise. There's so many of those videos out there, social media influencers trying to sell you shit. Yeah. And and I like have taken it upon myself because if I want my news feed to change, if I want the content I see to change, like I'm gonna have to like tweak it a bit. And yeah. So I like I follow this one girl on Instagram who is so great like her name's uh body posy panda body posy panda yeah super weird (laughs) and like she made this one post the other day that really stuck with me and she took like the comments she was getting on her photos and she put it in like a picture like she had like little bubbles like next to the good comments was it nice yeah no mean mean comments saying like you gave up and you're so fat she's like a larger lady but she went you know she had anorexia she i mean if you look at like old pictures or whatever side by side Crazy like skinny. she was like hospitalized and it was awful and she um is part of this new wave of women especially on like social media who are saying like any body you have is a good body because a human's in that body and it's made for a purpose of like changing the world and helping you and so in response to these comments about giving up she said yeah like i i gave up on these like false expectations yeah. and i gave up on this false sense of control that i had because i actually thought like if i micromanage everything i was eating like that was going to lead to happiness not actually doing something to help myself and my goals and, and when she gave up on all those things that aren't really important she found happiness yeah and, and that's the kind of like messaging i think everyone like should, it's a big message should subscribe mm-hmm. to yeah, yeah definitely we all have a choice yeah, I don't think it. like staying away from like the visceral, you know, being of it and like just the imaging and actually finding what actually makes you happy. And if it is getting in shape and looking fit, you know, that's fine. Just make sure I think the the reasoning and the logic behind why you want to do that is right. Definitely. And I think, you know, setting like, you know, set a goal, you know, ultimately do something that has purpose, work towards something for yourself. I think that's. I don't know. That's why I look at it. I agree too. And like one more other post that I just love. And I think like girls, guys, like if you're hearing this, like, you know, this, this is awesome. Like, you know, like there are all these things like ways to get a bikini body. And, and like I, this one post I saw um, from, I think it's Cali girls gets fit. Cali says, girls gets fit. Yeah. I have to, I'll, I'll double check and put um, something if that's not right. But she says, just get a bikini like you have the body like you're done you know that's yeah. a bikini body like <laughs> tutorial and and it and that's cool yeah like you know i think again like we glamorize things we you know we think like this is gonna lead to this definitely get fit like you said but make sure that the purpose behind it is 
is strong and solid and enough and healthy and you're not using those teas to get there and starving yourself like yeah you know unhealthy means yeah it's a good yeah. message and a strong message and i support it we support it Heck Annie, yeah. the voice of reason Ooh. all right guys well it's been fa- fantastic talking to you guys uh think we wrap it up yeah yep. all right all right everyone um you guys will say goodbye au revoir enjoy i hope you enjoyed the uh the little good special segment. here yeah all right read some more poems <laughs> all right well thank you everyone for listening as always follow us on social media and apple Podcasts and our website all right talk to you next week take it easy bye bye bye